Welcome to the iSmart Podcast Show with Tom Rogers, founder and CEO of iSmart Networks. We help connect entrepreneurs with key partnerships to build financial freedom. The average millionaire has seven streams of income, and our guests reveal how they created multiple streams in their businesses. We believe that every person has a unique message that can positively impact the world. Stick around for the end of the show, where I'll reveal how you could be our next guest on one of the fastest growing daily transformational podcasts on the planet in 15 to 20 minutes. Let's go. All right, thanks for joining iSmart Podcast. On the show today, we have Michael Davidovich. He is actually the CEO of API Nation, which is an integration platform with over tens of thousands of followers, upwards of 20,000 uh, users actually right now, and has had recent partnerships uh, with the Keller Williams. I'm sure you're familiar with Keller Williams. And in 2019, had over 400% growth, which is pretty phenomenal. Uh, Michael, thanks for so much for being on the show today. Hey, good to be here, Tom. So... You know, Michael, we can go into API Nation, exactly what that is and how you had 400% growth in, you know, 2019. It's pretty, pretty phenomenal. Um, but let's go into your kind of like your founder story. You know, where did you grow up and what were your first business successes? Yeah. So I, I, uh, I was born in Ukraine and uh, came here when I was uh, in my late teen years and uh, joined the American dream. And uh, my, uh, <laughs> <Yep>. <laughs> exactly. But- so I entered the entered the workforce during the last dot com boom, where you know you worked at worked as a software engineer for uh, for several dot uh, coms and startups and et cetera, and you know, learned learned the, the the trade there, and then when the when the market uh, when the when the bubble bursted, this was I thought a perfect opportunity to get into business and uh, and start executing and so Actually, early 2000s, 2001. Oh, 2000s, was okay. My, was my first. Internet bubble. Uh, exactly. The internet <laughs> bubble of the 2000s. That was it. That was, that was when I, you know, I got out of college, went into, went into my first job and sat there at a desk and the name on the door changed three times because companies kept getting acquired. <laughs> so that was pretty cool. Yeah. yeah so, fun times. So you, so your first company that you, so that after that whole experience, you yeah. know, you went to what was the first very first venture that you that you went into? Oh, I was trying to do something with uh, connecting. Um, uh, during the Clinton administration, they made a really big push into opening up the government uh, data sources and and uh, and government data. So I was trying to bridge some data. I was it was way ahead of the time with without enough money. It was a total bust, but uh, but Learning I learned experience. quite a bit. Yeah, exactly. Let's call it a learning experience. It was a, it was a fun, 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 fun year of my life. Try to, try to uh, do something with the, with 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 some gov- connecting some government data together. Definitely. And then, so after that, after that whole uh, whole learning experience, what did you do? What was your yeah. next venture? You know, I've done a few, and uh, the the one that uh, a couple after that that kind of one idea grew after another. I just kept trying, trying things, and uh, and what succeeded after that was uh, kind of the predecessor to what we call today the Amazon Web Services, the hosting uh, these these cloud platforms, etc. Back in the day, it was called the the managed uh, managed hosting services, etc. So I was running a company in that space in the early two thousand. That uh, that did really well, and ended up selling that company to one of my major 
competitors here locally. But the writing was on the wall. You know, Microsoft was coming out with Azure and, and Amazon was getting into this business. There was no way that the smaller guys are going to make it. So, um, so it was the right time to sell. And a couple of years later, the company that bought my company went belly up. Well, then that was a great time to get out, right? <laughs> I, I, I think so. I mean, it was, it was, it was uh, like I said, the writing on the wall. Yeah, yeah. Cool. Yeah. So, so that hosting hosting company, I was in 2007. Um, and then did yeah. you kind of take a little bit of a break there before you started the next thing? No, because prior, by the time that was happening, I was halfway through um, a few years before that started another company that had to do with connecting retailers and supply chains together. And it was a piece of software that was bridging the gaps uh, that existed in that space. And that company was doing really well. So that entire managed hosting and, and managed application services company was almost getting in the way. It, was, it made sense to sell that and just focus 100% on, the, on a company called DirectDI. And we grew that significantly and um, ended up uh, selling that company in uh, 2012, I want to say 13, to um, a pretty major um, competitor, which is a public company. Um, and had a, had a had a very um, kind of a success story, so to speak, right? An overnight success that took eight years. One of those, right? Yeah, of course. Yeah. That's what they always say. Like it took me ten years to become an overnight success story. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> you took eight, so you're you're an overachiever. Good job, Michael. <laughs> there we go. Thanks, Tom. <laughs> so, so, so you had an exit um, in 2012. Uh, yeah. Or, or right. So that was that was a solid exit. And then yeah, there was know, a second exit. Second exit. Very cool. Mm -hmm. uh, so then did you kind of like slow down after that? Or did you reinvest that money into something else? You know, I worked for, for the folks that bought me for a few years. They were an amazing company and I had lots of ideas that we were able to uh, execute there. So I spent a few years working there and then uh, had this itch to do the next venture. And, uh, and then about four years ago is uh, is when I started up API Nation, which is what I'm doing now. So that was in 2016. Yep, 2016. Cool. And so API Nation, I'm sure you know you did a lot of things from you know bridging data for the Clinton, like that whole administration, like working on that, and then you know managing hosting, kind of like a you know yeah. Amazon Web Services, then connecting supply chains. So a lot of software integration. So how did that all kind of tie into API Nation? You know, what, what, uh, what became apparent is that there's such a consumerization of software that's happening. Right. So you have these small businesses that are running 50 different software packages just to do their work, right? From email, calendar, CRM, marketing, et cetera. There's just so much software. The days of this monolithic applications that does everything, those days are gone. And, uh, and while people are gaining productivity because they get this best of breed marketing tool or this amazing you know podcasting tool etc they begin to lose um in these gaps between these different software so they, they have this work that they got to do that spans 20 different software pieces that they're, mm. that they're trying to bridge together and those bridges don't really exist so that's where the api nation idea came from was enterprise businesses they have the budgets they have it figured out but the but the small guys like you know you and me, I don't have a hundred thousand dollar budget to go write some integration and and everything else. There has to be a better way to do this, right? And um, yeah, so that was uh, I think it was a natural evolution 
uh, and it was pretty apparent there's, there's, it, it, it's that this is the direction that the world is moving to and this need exists. Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, definitely. So, yeah. so this, so essentially, you know, instead of hiring, you know, a bunch of software engineers to make your, all your systems work together, yeah. you created this software where it, it's very simple to integrate softwares together. And when I was looking at it, it looks very similar to Zapier. Like you always get that recommendation, but how is it different from Zapier? Yeah. Zapier, I think is a, is a, is a great tool that's built for technologists that uh, the guys that, that you know if you want to sit there figure it out how to build everything and configure everything I think that's a that's a pretty good tool for do-it-yourselfers uh-huh. and uh, for, fortunately for me that's a that's a small fraction of the business owners that are going to spend hours trying to sit there and figure out how to make these things work I don't really so want to go and sit there and make yeah. Zapier things work like I usually I hire people out to do the Zapier connections for See? me Exactly. And that's the majority of the business owners. What they do is they, they, they either hire people out. So then what, what, what are you really doing? You're back to let's hire. Hiring someone now it's to not do the software integration. Engineer. Yeah. So we, we said, let's take it a step further. Let's make it an easy button. You, you click it and it's done. Right. Can we pre-build some of these things in a way that, um, that are all pre-configured, right? Can we just make a library of these integrations that, if you even click a button, you can pretty much set it up, and uh, and and that's probably the number one difference between us and everybody else in the market. Wow, so it's it's, it's even more simple than Zapier because when when I've if I'm connecting, let's say I'm doing Google Drive to maybe like Acuity, you know, for like scheduling, you know, then I'm going to yep. be connecting, you know, different certain appointment calendars to certain, you know, certain like folders to certain things, and so. Yeah. So how is the one click, like, how does that one click more, more simple than Zapier? Cause Zapier, you can kind of pull in and you can see different folders. You can, you can see that it pulls the information from one software to the other software. How does it make it more simple than that? Well, I think, I think you said it in the beginning very well is that you still don't, even though it's so simple, you still don't want to sit there and do it. You hire somebody to get it done for yeah. you. And, uh, and, and, and I think that's, that's the big, the people are in love with the idea of interconnecting things, but when they're faced with actually sitting there and doing it, even though it's that simple, they still don't want to get to it. They will hire someone to get it done. And so we took it further and said, let's, let's take a podcaster. Here's mm-hmm. 500 tools that this guy is going to use. And if we bridge them in the most a widely used way, the most common way, and give them a button to just click, I want this, this, and that. That's it. Mm. And that's all they need to do. Then I think our adaption rate will go through the roof. And that's, how, I think, that's the major difference between API Nation and, and some of the other tools that you can find out there. It's awesome. So, I mean, I, that's, that's honestly, I think that almost every, every owner, business owner that I've been talking to, at least some of the most... Mm-hmm futurist mindset of individuals like the guys that you know like i had recently on, on the podcast mike Koenigs, like he had this very large company did a lot of this, like digital products and you know worked all these high level individuals yeah. and all this sort of stuff right and he just got away from it and he had all these employees and all these like video videographers and all these people right marketing he worked with mike uh with uh mike mike O'Hearn or no was it uh mike kern 
or the Kearns, like all those guys, like the Grant Cardone, you know, those kind of people, mm-hmm. right? So, you know, you got to the point where it was just too stressful, it was too much, too many moving parts. It was, you know, it was so much that you just didn't want to do it anymore, almost to the point where, you know, he got a job, you know, and I think that's the reason why people come become entrepreneurs is because they don't want to have the job. They want yeah. freedom. They want them. They want the freedom of money, the freedom of time, the freedom to be able to say no to clients if they don't want to work with them, all those things. Right. Um, so, you know, at the end of the day, you don't want to hire people where you cannot do things yourself. You want to be able to do things yourself. And it, it sounds almost like you're kind of solving a big problem here, you know, with, with, uh, with a lot of companies, you know, with software integrations and even utilizing Zapier to make all of your systems work together. And you're bringing it so that way the CEO can do all these things, making it so simple that, you know, just one guy can have, it looks like he has a, you know, a hundred and 200 employees, but really he just uses pretty phenomenal software and, you know, outsources a lot of different little things here and there. And, he works just primarily by himself. And that's what all these guys, super high level people, they end up doing. They don't have any employees. You yeah, know? <laughs> exactly. And that's the reason why we're drowning in software today. Yeah. Because there's all these amazing tools that these people are using. And this is why I think why we got our work cut out for them because underneath the covers, those tools, they got to talk to each other. Yeah. And this is, this is where we come in and shine. That's amazing. So what, what different ways of uh, creating revenue have you done with API Nation? I mean, sure, I'm sure there's like a monthly subscription, but like what are yeah. different ways that you've been able to create revenue? I think that, that um, we, <clears throat> early on, we decided that there's really two customers that we're going to serve. One is the end users themselves, the folks like you, right? They, they just need something automated. And the second is uh, the software companies themselves, because if you build an amazing piece of software today and, and take it to market, the first thing you're going to run into is that man, my software is not connected to everything that mm-hmm. my customer is using. How do I, do, am I going to go out there, write a hundred different integrations to all this other stuff that my customers use? So we found that we, we need to think about these two aspects of the market the software makers themselves and the and the end users mm-hmm. and and created multiple programs one several programs for the end users right for the customers that are actually doing it and several programs for the software providers um, that are building these amazing phenomenal tools and applications and needed to talk to other phenomenal tools and applications and that set up these several revenue streams for API Nation that are coming in from just different, it's the same same kind of integration platform, but the revenue mm-hmm. streams are coming in from multiple sources. You have the the, 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 the makers, the integrators, the, uh, the end users and, and the associations and so forth. And each one has a program that we follow that, uh, that creates that revenue stream. So you're not paying the developers, the developers are actually paying you? The software makers, software makers themselves. are paying you yeah. to then to have you their um, software hosted on your platform, so that they way you their software can, connected connected on your platform. Systems. Yeah, connected on your platform, so that way the users can yeah. can use it. That's really cool. That's amazing. Yeah. So that's yeah. so that's essentially that's two. So one from the actual you know companies like Google, mm-hmm. you know like oh, you know. Yeah all these other different companies, right? Um, and then one from the users actually doing it. How does it, how does it work as far as like those pieces go? I mean, I'm sure these companies aren't going to pay you a ton of money every month to be able to connect, is it? Or is it, or, they, or is Google paying a million dollars a month, you know? 
Well, I'm going to be honest with you. Google hasn't sent us any checks yet. I'm still waiting for that <laughs> to happen. Okay. Well, <laughs> so that's, anyway, how, that's but, how they stay rich, right? Yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> but uh, uh, but some of the other ones, uh, some of the other companies, uh, if you if you look at look at our system, you'll see lots of things that say sponsored them, right? So the end, it's free to the end user. They just okay. go ahead and use it, and that just means that somebody else is picking up the tab on that. Uh, and that somebody else could be either you know one of the software packages that that we're bridging together, or um, uh, and the, there's several models that 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 at work there. Is this similar to like Zapier, where you're paying like you're paying per per connection essentially from the yeah. two, like that? Because I think I have a Zapier account, I pay like nineteen dollars a month, and then you know I get like 20, 20 zaps. You know, is it is it similar yeah. to that? Um, we we simplified that model. It's similar but simpler because we just charge one month flat monthly fee for the for the connection. And it's like unlimited um, connections. Just unlimited. Just go for it. Yeah, that's because that's great. because we're we're because frankly that was one of the big feedbacks that we were getting is that people people can't figure out how much their bill is actually going to be. Right. They yeah, don't it know gets a little frustrating, right? Like they're gonna have. Yeah. feel like you're nipple I'm like kind of nickel and dime like if I have 21 exactly. connections I'm like upgraded from 19 to now I'm paying 40 because I have yeah. one more connection that right. kind of got me a little jaded about Zapier I was like the way yeah. that their structure was um yeah. so that's super cool you, you pay every time it runs also there's a meter for that so we said look this is just too much right I can't figure it out I can't imagine a small business owner being able to figure it out how do we make it simple is there a way that we can just flat it Right, just just have a flat fix. I mean, why would it cost more money to make more connections or more? It's like, what are you using more internet? Like you're, we're paying yeah. for more internet. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> it doesn't make exactly. sense to me. I never really understood that. Yeah. I feel like it was just the way they were monetizing it. Um, so going back into like uh, the four hundred percent growth, you know, you learned a lot from those other three companies and those different exits. Yeah. So did you just prepare properly? Um, before, did you get an email list of tens of thousands of people that were interested in API Nation before you launched? How did they, how did you have that four hundred percent growth over the over a one year period? So what we did is, um, first of all, even before the product was built, right? The first ten customers that purchased the product, they they, they saw it as a PowerPoint presentation. But this is what that's going to do. This is how it's going to work. We're going to build this prototype. It'll be launched in three months. Would you like to buy it? Yes. You know, I'll, I'll take your credit card number now. You'll, you're going to start being billed on this day for this for this product. And, and I had about 10 people committed, um, my first initial kind of beta users. But I've spoken to hundreds of people as I was building it. Then um, the, the, the next step was to actually develop this product market fit is to go from these 10 people to let's say you know, I think about a thousand um a thousand customers on a platform that are that are using the system etc and then identifying what's the what are the common trends between them what makes our product uh, a must-have for them uh, for these customers what their demographics look like and then once that became and what are the activities that we need to do in order to that are driving our growth and we we developed during the first two years of the business this kind of playbook this is how you do things mm -hmm. and um and then um in, at the end of 2019 just focused that said okay in 2019 we're going to execute this playbook we're not going to do anything else we're going to service one industry 
one type of customer. We're just going to do this one thing we already figured out and we're going to do it really well. And that's what led to the, that's what led to the growth. It's just extreme focus. You have no idea how many uh, software partners and customers and et cetera, we had to say no to mm-hmm. in order to maintain that amazing growth by just saying yes to the very specific segment of customers that was driving that growth. So you took 10 customers, essentially, and then you built your demographic of your ideal customer through 10? Through now, uh, By the time we were building the ideal demographic and had our playbook figured out, we had about a thousand users on our platform. Okay, about a thousand. Okay. First yeah. a 10, then that 10 kind of showed the hundred and the hundred kind yeah. of shown sure. a thousand. Yeah. And then you built the entire, and the playbook would be, would mean that like marketing campaign, advertising, you know, target audience, all those things. All of those things. It's a, it's a, in our world, it's a six page bullet list document yeah. of how you execute. And uh, and I think the discipline of that execution and the high focus is what I would recommend to every entrepreneur out there. Is if once you once you have figured it out, um, and you know you're going after, and you're at the stage where you need that early majority, where you want to take um, and grab this particular segment or one kind of industry that you want to dominate, just execute, just just figure out your playbook and run it. What would be like those key, what would maybe say those like top three things that you're trying to identify within those thousand clients, you know, like as, as like a commonality between all of them, what would be like the top three you think? Um, so I, I think the number one is you, you, you figure out why your product, why they cannot live without your product. Okay. Like, so if you can answer that question is is why these people cannot live without your product and you have a very succinct, truthful answer, the one that they would give you, not the one you dream up, uh, you, you kind of have an answer to what, you know, why you're amazing. Mm-hmm. And then and then you start breaking down into two, you, you ask for three things. So one is the product, the second, and the other two is who these people are. What what is their demographic? What how do they how do they behave? How do they buy, et cetera? And you try to segment them and figure out and find that group that buys in the same way, behaves the same way, has the same spending, is in the same industry, belongs to the same country club, whatever your industry is, right? You just you just figure that that part out, that segment. And then you look for the commonality of behavior between them, right? I mean they they I don't know, they all are um, uh, take these five steps to get to whatever the whatever the outcome is that they're looking for. So once you have your their behavior and you have their demographic and you know why they cannot live with the RP product, then you have it all. You basically map it out. You, you, yeah, that's right. You 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 just you you become an unstoppable machine. Right. You create the funnel or the process to mimic yeah. their behavior. And you yeah. know exactly who they are, so what 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 you're gonna like, what kind of advertising right. you're gonna go to them, yeah. and then your you the re and then your entire premise of the entire marketing campaign is like this is the reason why you can't live without this product. Yeah. So the first thousand more, people, you did a lot of feedback and surveying on those individuals, yeah. or do you just like do a lot of like Facebook and social media digging to be able to find who these thousand people are and all these all these answers to all these questions. Um, we did the research before we got to a thousand because we decided that well, we, we, we knew what we were going to focus on and try to answer that question ahead of time. 
And then once we, and, and that was done by surveys, talking to people, calling on people and experimentation. And, but that never stops. We experiment today. Mm-hmm. Every single day we have a hacking growth meeting that we, we do it twice a week today, where we, uh, where we talk about ideas, what are we learning, why are we a must have for these customers, what are their segments, how are we changing. And, uh, and, and as we go after more and more industries and other communities of customers, we, we evolve. Yeah. I mean, yeah, if you continue to evolve right now, you have tens of thousands. Yeah. So it mean, right, right. being able to figure out all of those people really, you know, that, that 10,000 will give you access to the 100,000, right? And then 100,000 goes right. to, the, to the million, right? So that's, right. that's awesome. That's yeah. super cool. Um, great. So the last thing we want to talk about on the show is just kind of like the pandemic and kind of how this business has been affected by it. You know, it sounds like, you know, you've done a really, really great job in identifying who your client is. And even during this time, I don't think that really changes. Um, you know, have you, have, have you kind of like held off on certain projects and then going into different ones? Have you seen any kind of lack of growth during this time or you've been able to scale um, and still keep pace of like 400% growth? I think two things that happened during pandemic. Uh, one, all the larger projects that customers that were um, kind of on a larger size and they were, they were thinking of these initiatives, they put everything on hold. Right. It became, I still want to do it, but not today kind of game. Right. So it, it, it's like somebody turned off a faucet on April, uh, on March 15th or something. Seriously. It just stopped. Yeah. Uh, so that was, that, that was interesting. And then the second was this, uh, this slew of customers that started looking at their monthly bills going, what is it that I'm paying for? Am I really using this? Right. And, and, and I think everyone I've talked to who's in this subscription type of business went through this wave of cancellations. At yeah. The so did I. Yeah, the same thing. They're like, well, we just don't use this yeah. much or. I, exactly. Yeah. So, so, so those two, those two things happened. So that, um, and that was, that was actually amazing because what we ended up doing is first the, the, the projects that went on hold, we turned them into let's prep for the next year. Instead of let's not do your project today, but instead here's the plan of what we should be doing and you should be doing to be prepping for this project for next year. So this way we're keeping the customers engaged. And as far as the customers who are canceling because they're not using the service, et cetera, we went towards, so that's great that you identified that you no longer need this, but you're not going out of business. So what is it that you need? Yeah. If this is no longer needed. And then we were able to take that learning and turn it around and continue our growth, right? So this is, uh, uh, yeah, think, this is why I, I, I say that it's just um, experimentation doesn't stop. You learn new things all the time. Right. I mean, you were growing businesses during the whole 2007 phase. Yeah. You went through the 2008 kind of yeah. crash, right? So, yeah. you know, I think the entrepreneurs that survived that whole time, they understand, oh, okay, like this happened in 2008, like it's 2020. You know, I remember that whole time. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm just yeah. going to change what I'm doing. You know, like, it can just pivot. You know, that's kind of like that mm-hmm. the 2020 word of the year, right? So, um, yeah, that sounds, sounds super cool. So the things that you're focusing on right now, are they slightly different than in 2019? Is there anything you want to talk about in like different projects that maybe our listeners will be interested in hearing? Projects. Um, I different think it's directions more about with approaches. Yeah, I, yeah. Think, I, think, I, th- I think it's more about approaches for your listeners. I would say that uh, uh, if, if, if there was ever a time to focus, it's, it's now. 
mm-hmm. where before you could get away with uh, doing maybe you know half of what you're really good at and half of what you uh, not so good at, but you kind of take it because the money's there and and uh, and you're keeping yourself and your team busy. And and what I'm finding now is that the the less of that other stuff we do, the more successful we are by just just really honing into the customer need. If the customer is not willing to spend the money today on this thing, whatever that thing is, there's something else they're willing to spend the money on and you need to be servicing them. Yeah, we need to be focusing and identifying exactly what the current needs of our clients are so that way we can continue to scale. You know, you did a really good job in just being being the analyst, right, and figuring out exactly what your customers want. And nowadays, it's more than ever you know, that we need to identify exactly what they need and perform at a super, super high level. Have you, have you even changed any of your prices or anything like that? Cause everyone's always like, yeah, I dropped my pricing here and there. And I did this and I did that, you know, to help incentivize people to continue to work with me. Did you do anything like that during this time? Yeah. Yeah. We removed almost all of our trials. So we now offer very few trials and we raised our prices. Oh, interesting. Okay. So it was kind of like the opposite of like, yeah adding more free things. You just kind of like hammer it down on the few clients. That yeah. And that, most. and that removed the folks that, uh, that were not serious, right? right? They don't really need it. They're just kind of going, ah, I don't know. But in, in reality, they'll be better served of not, ha- not having it. And we'll be better served of not having those customers. Yeah. Cause they Instead, keep that. We're, it makes we're 100%. better off helping. Yeah. You don't want to, you don't want to, you don't want to continue to host people that aren't really raving fans. Right. And then you're right. building your analytics yeah. and your demographic off of people that really just don't care about your right. sort of product or service. Right. So it's like, it's just a, it's just a waste of time. Yeah. That's really cool. Um, yeah. so, um, going into 2020, is there anything that you're kind of looking for as far as like, um, individuals or software or integrations, you know, we have listeners that have amazing connections. So, um, is there any direction that you're going you know, and you talked about Keller Williams um, that you're going in that direction. Is that is that more the direction that you want to go into in 2020? Uh, this year and next year, we're going to continue to stay true, focusing on our um, residential real estate uh, customers and the customers that are in, the, in that segment. I think we will um, continue to serve uh, the major franchises and the software companies that are involved in that space. Our newest market that we are um, having a lot of successes is in the short-term rentals and that's in the the market of like airbnb booking.com vrbo and so on the people that are involved in in that in that business and that space um um, we have some amazing uh amazing things that 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 we've just recently released and working on for them and we would uh, i would love to talk to anybody in that in those uh in those markets so yeah definitely guys they reach out to them uh how do we how do people get a hold of you michael it's michael at apnation.com and simple enough i yeah, uh, go on linkedin enough. you're pretty active on linkedin as well so yep. that'd be great and then as far as the website it's just api nation guys.com uh, so so check it out yeah. i mean there's some it sounds like some really really great work uh, and you know i have no doubt that you're going to continue to scale and prove that 400 percent even in 2020 and that's what <laughs> exactly. makes entrepreneurs, entrepreneurs right so hey thank yeah. you so much for being on the show michael and uh hopefully we'll have you on the show a little bit later this year and and uh talk to you a little bit later Thank you, Tom. Thanks a lot. Thanks for listening to the iSmart Podcast Show. If you are a business owner with multiple streams of income or professional who would like to be on the daily program, please visit iSmartNetworks.com slash guest.
If you got something out of this interview, would you share this episode on social media? Just do a quick screenshot with your phone and text it to a friend or post it on the socials. If you do that, tag us with hashtag iSmartPodcast. Each month, we scour Twitter, LinkedIn, Facebook, and Instagram. We pick one winner from each platform, and you get crowned king or queen of that social media. What do you win? We'll promote you and your business to our media fans totally free. Can you also hook us up? In your podcast player right now, please give us a thumbs up or a rating and review. We promise to read it all and take action. We believe that every person has a message that can positively impact the world. Your feedback helps us fulfill that mission. While you're at it, hit that subscribe button. You know why? Tomorrow. That's right. Seven days a week, you are going to be inspired and motivated to succeed. 15 minutes a day. Thanks for listening. And thank you for being a part of the iSmart Podcast.